so many businesses are started by people that are expert in their craft, right? They're a good machinist, they're a tool maker, they know everything in and out about a machine, but they may not know that much about running an actual business. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing Happy Each week, we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now your host, Chris Lukey. Hey, what's up, folks? Welcome to episode 33. Today, we're going to be talking about business process as a differentiator. Now, what does this mean? Well, in today's manufacturing market, the reality is your competitors probably, you probably have a handful that do the exact same thing you do, for lack of a better word. But if you have the right systems and processes in place, those are the things that can streamline your business and allow you to execute more effectively than your competition. So we're going to be talking about how that can set you apart. And we have no one better than Paul Van Meter, who is the co-founder of ProShop, to address this topic. So what are the three things you can expect from today's show? Well, first, you're going to get to know Paul. Now, Paul has co-founded multiple companies. He did one before ProShop. And we're going to hear some stories as well as some lessons he's learned along the way in his entrepreneurial career. Second, we're going to address the title. We are going to talk about business process as a differentiator through the lens of what ProShop ERP does for machine shops. Finally, stick around till the end because we're going to have a little car talk before things wrap up. For all the resources mentioned in today's episode, you can find those at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 33. That'll have links to social media, to various articles that come up, anything you could want to reference. Before we dive in, I want to make sure we thank our sponsor for the podcast, Steamchain.io. Now, Steamchain is the machine as a service company. And if you're curious what machine as a service means, think about it like an office printer where you pay for the output rather than the asset itself. This is doing the same thing for the manufacturing industry where you can buy a machine based on its output and performance rather than pay for the asset itself. And this is really cool. I've been working with these guys for a couple months now and I'm about to be creating some content with their customers as well. And I can say the OEMs they serve, a couple things I'm seeing is one, this allows equipment manufacturers to cash in on the performance of their asset over time. So not only do you get paid for the performance, but the most important thing I see about this is it provides equipment manufacturers consistent revenue flow. No longer do equipment manufacturers have to go out and elephant hunt for the next big job. That's still part of it, but you have a consistent revenue stream that you can count on as well through machine as a service. To learn more about Steam Chain, make sure to check out episode five of Manufacturing Happy Hour, where we featured their CEO, Mike Cromachy. You can get there by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash steamchain, or just check them out at steamchain.io. Thanks so much for sponsoring the show. And with that, let's get into it. We're going to crack some beers and have a great conversation with Paul Van Meter. All 
Our guest today is a machine shop owner turned entrepreneur. After starting Pro CNC in Bellingham, Washington in 1997, he recently went on to co-found ProShop, a cloud-based ERP software system that combines elements of an MES, a manufacturing execution system, with a QMS, a quality management system, into a single platform. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Paul Van Meter to the show. Paul, how are you doing today? I'm doing excellent. How are you doing today? I'm good. It's it's after five o'clock here in the Central Time region, grabbing a beer. Can't uh, <laughs> close enough to five o'clock here that I'm joining you in one. Hey, I was out in San Francisco for five and a half years, so I had to. I don't know if it was a bad thing that I had to crack a beer a little earlier to keep up with uh, with my compatriots on virtual calls across the country. But it is it's a sacrifice we had to make on the West Coast. Yes, the tough mm. one. Well, speaking of beer, my first question is somewhat beer oriented. So, you know, you're you're a Bellingham, Washington guy, and uh, I haven't spent much time there. But the one stop I did make there when I was driving from Vancouver to Seattle once was at Wander Brewing. Great Fantastic little brewery. Place. Got there Absolutely. Got a little one of their coasters. Oh, right sure there. enough. <laughs> but um, so let's set the stage. Let's say you and I are grabbing our beers in person at Wander rather than in a virtual call. And mm-hmm. someone comes up to you and they're like, you know, Paul, I've, I've heard about Pro Shop. I heard Chris's intro. He said ERP, MES, QMS. That's that's a lot of abbreviations right there. Um, so what, but what is it you guys do? What do you do for your customers over at Pro Shop? How do you describe that as if you're hanging out with someone at a bar? Yeah, well, at a bar. If they if they aren't in the machine shop business, I would say we allow them to take all of their different software packages and the paper documents they have and all the files on their network, and we put it into a really easy-to-understand web-based sort of single system where the, everything's connected, they can see all the information they need to run their business, make smart decisions and be more efficient right from their web browser. Love that. I mean, I think as a web browser example, bringing systems together, I think that fits a lot of SaaS models that, you know, we've got a technical audience that listens to this. So no doubt they're, they're mm-hmm. keeping up for it, but you know, we just needed an excuse to head to wander brewing there. For a second. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I'm excited to talk about pro shop today, learn a little bit more about what you guys do, but you know, let's, we, we'd love to get to know you a bit first, Paul. And you have a unique story in that, as I understand it, you founded, co-founded with some of your college buddies, a machine shop right out of school in 1997. Is that right? That is correct. Yep. Yep. How did, how did you guys make that decision? Because I don't know if I was mentally prepared to open my own machine shop when I graduated from college. So I'm interested to hear your story there. Yeah. So uh, have you ever, ever heard of the Formula SAE competition? Absolutely. Yeah. We, uh, the SAE guys at Marquette, were always working, working on the weekends at night, getting those cars, uh, souped up. And I'm interested to ask you about cars as well too, but we'll get back to your story first. (laughs) So yeah, we were, we were hardcore SAE guys, you know, spending nights and weekends in the lab, machining parts, making stuff. And the school we went to had a pretty exceptional machine shop that we had almost unlimited access to. So we just fell in love with machining. Um, really fell in love just working together as a team. It's just so much fun. And so as we were getting closer to graduation, we just decided that we didn't want to just scatter to the wind and go get separate jobs. We really wanted to keep working together and keep making stuff. So one of my uh, college buddies was a little bit older. He owned a house 
and he had enough equity in that house to take out a second mortgage and Ooh. buy a Haas VF4, pay for a few months of rent, and buy a manual mill and lathe and a few desks and stuff. And so we uh, that's how we started our shop. Love that. You know, I have some questions on that. Um, but the first, I guess, to do an acronym check, I know I'm familiar with Formula SAE, but Society mm-hmm. of Automotive Engineers, for anyone that might not be familiar with it, that's cur- that's the that is the acronym, right? It's not something- that is it. Yep. Okay. And it's, a, it's an international competition where universities and colleges build vehicles. They have several different competitions, but the one we love the most was the Formula. So you build this tiny little single seat race car, open yep. wheel, super high performance. And it's just an absolute blast. So you know, it, since this is a, a slightly drinking-oriented podcast, we need a good story from your SAE <laughs> days before we keep moving. Do you have one from one of the competitions or just one of the, the projects you guys were working on? Yeah, I mean, we had, I mean, so many. Um, but, uh, well, I guess even just getting to the competition was an adventure. So one <laughs> of the years we had one of the guys, his parents had an old RV um, it was called it was called the Midland, and uh, it broke down in the middle of Billings, Montana, and we had to get towed, and we had to you know figure out what was wrong with it. But fortunately, we made it to the competition, where of course then the car's breaking down in the middle of everything, and you're under there trying to wrench it, get it back to the next competition and the next event, and it's just an immersive blast of so much fun. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. Did that fun translate to the machine shop you started then? And that machine shop was called, was it Pro CNC? It was. It was called Pro CNC. So now I'm curious, what is it like starting a company with your college buddies? Because that sounds crazy in and of itself. (laughs) (laughs) It was a little bit crazy. Um, And in fact, there were um, the very original group, the crew that started the shop, there were six of us. So six, imagine six equal owners, one CNC machine. Um, we, we kept that thing going night and day, just taking shifts on who's going to run it, who's going to set it up. And, uh, but yeah, it was, it was intensive. Um, you know, starting, starting any kind of business is tough, you know, but, yeah. um, but I, I felt really blessed and fortunate to have, you know, really good friends that, uh, that we could, you know, I could lean on and they could lean on me. Um, Cause doing it by yourself is even harder. Well, there's something to be said about starting a business right out of college when you got those high level, that high level of energy, you're still used to pulling all nighters. Like you can, you can put in the hours without as, you know, I'm 33 now. I struggle with that at this point for late nights. Um, yes. you know, I more than a few, more than a few all nighters, but you know, and eating ramen for many, many months because we're not yeah. making money. So yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, you got to got to start somewhere. I guess did you, you know, cuz we have a a wide range of ages of people that listen to this and we have people that are earlier in their career. I'm curious, were there any like challenges you faced as like a young company with, you know, a bunch of co-founders right out of college? Did that create any friction for you guys when it came to calling on clients or were there are there other challenges that that I might be missing here? You know, we um we we tried to always put a very professional face forward. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even with our very modest beginnings, we put together a nice brochure and, and, uh, you know, a, a sample case with some of our sample machine parts in it. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, you know, as any business, it's a little hard to get, to get appointments and get in front of the, the right decision makers. But when we did, I think they appreciated our sort of our, our, you know, aggressive approach to, to, uh, you know, the way we were trying to run our business and, 
and just, you know, a lot of professionalism and showing, showing up on time, looking, you know, nice shirt with a logo and, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, we tried to be as serious as we could be given the fact that we were like 22, you know? Sure. Sure. Well, I mean, obviously you pulled it off. You ran that thing for what, 20 years or so, I think before you about went on seven, to do about 17 years. Yep. 17 yep. years. About Holy 17 smokes. Years. That is, that's a great run before we, cause I, I, I do have some pro shop questions coming up here next, sure. but you know, I guess since you've been around the block, a couple times starting your own company, starting a manufacturing business. I mean, is there, this is a two-part question or it's an, an extrapolated question. Is there advice you'd give to young entrepreneurs since you were someone that jumped into it right out of the gate? And then maybe advice you just give to entrepreneurs in general, particularly in the manufacturing space. I mean, to any, to any entrepreneur, I would say, don't be afraid to ask for help. Mm -hmm. um, don't try to just go it alone. Think you have all the answers. You know, we, when we were about three years old, uh, three to four years old in about, uh, two, you know, in 2011, or excuse me, 2001, um, 9 11 had just happened. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, we had had a pretty good run up to that point. We were in a much bigger building. We had about a dozen employees. And, uh, but, but every business had been relatively easy up to that point. And, and 9 11 absolutely devastated us. And, but what, the saving grace was, was we, we went out and we asked for help. So we found a business advisor through the, uh, the small business development center, which is an, which is a national network, uh, usually affiliated with universities. And I'm convinced that if we hadn't reached out and found that advisor, we would have gone out of business. That's um, awesome. So, nice. yeah, so yeah, there's, there's, I mean, there's, there's score, which is another great, um, great organization. There's the MEP network, manufacturing mm -hmm. extension partnership network in every state. Um, and they can connect you with people that, uh, often for free, you know, people that will give you advice, uh, when you, when you don't know everything, because especially in the, in the manufacturing business, so many businesses are started by tech, I'll call it technicians, right? People that are expert in their craft, right? They're a good machinist mm -hmm. they're a tool maker. They could, you know, they know everything in and out about a machine, but they may not know that much about running an actual business. And, yeah. and so there's a, there's a big steep uphill learning curve in trying to learn how to run a shop. Well, that's, that's highly quotable. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, and uh, you know, I think that goes for anyone in manufacturing, whether you, you know, if you're, whether I should say, whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're a leader within your company or whether you're just getting started somewhere. I mean, that goes for anyone out there. Mm -hmm. Like no one's, no one expects anyone, especially when you're right out of the gate to have all the answers. Um, and I love how you put that into the perspective of, you know, finding someone that ultimately you feel helped save your business. So Absolutely. I don't I don't think there's a better way to exemplify the impact of that advice. So I love that. And I, I know we're here to talk pro shop. So keeping with the sequence of events, you ran pro CNC for 17 years. And then not too long after that, you started pro shop. What what brought that up? Yeah. So when, when we were right in the middle, actually, even at the early ends, of, early phases of running and growing pro CNC, um, about three years into starting it in the year 2000, we started looking for ERP software, mm -hmm. right? Cause we were just using Excel worksheets and, you know, just kind of little homemade system that we had made and it wasn't clearly wasn't going to scale with us. So we, uh, we started getting, you know, calling, making calls and getting demos of different software products. And we were just kind of dumbfounded at how unsuitable they seemed to actually running a job shop business. Right? Mm -hmm. They, uh, they just, 
missed it on so many levels. They just had what we thought were huge gaps in functionality that were really crucial for us on a daily basis. And so rather than buying one of those systems and still having lots of spreadsheets, we just decided to hire a software developer. And uh, mm -hmm. so we hired this, this gentleman named Matt, um, and he started building this thing that ultimately became ProShop. So, you know, we built it for about 14 years, um, you know, and through the course of those years, you know, m the majority of that, you know, ProShop was strictly just for our own company. We had no intention sure. of selling it to anybody else. It was just there to help us, you know, do our business, uh, run it better. And, uh, but w our biggest machine shop customer saw it and one of their employees actually worked for us on the weekends to sort of mood lighting for some extra cash. And he went back to their owners and he said, hey, you've got to check out the software they have up there. And so they approached us and asked us if we would sell it to them. So it was from a, so a, a customer request before you were even getting ready to sell it, correct? It was oh, someone we, that we weren't intending to sell it. Yeah. They, they approached us and we were like, no, it's not really for sale. It's always neat how these origin stories differ. Sometimes it's like you realize you have something that you can start market and sometimes it just comes to you in that regard, which is uh which is pretty cool. One one question that sticks out is the thing about running Pro Shop is that's ultimately a software as a service company. Would that be the right way to describe it? For the most part, we have a couple of different models, but the vast majority of our customers do a subscription with us. So yeah, it is, and it's hosted on our servers. So it is software okay. as a service. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe the as a service part isn't as important, but just I'm curious, what's what was some something unique or a unique challenge that came up from going from running a traditional manufacturing business to running more of a software business? I mean, was there something that you did you expect the transition to be? running one business would be like running running the other then found out there were some very unique things to the software side there certainly are some unique things uh there's a lot of similarities but uh you know making parts i mean i would say running a machine shop is definitely harder um okay. it's definitely harder it's a uh you know running running a job shop machine shop is one of the hardest kind of businesses you can run you know incredibly capital intensive really difficult workflows a million details to keep track of but uh, at, the end, at the end of the day, you know, you have tangible parts, you know, in your hand. If you measure them with calibrated gauges and you're confident that, you know, those parts are good, you can ship them to your customer and, you know, they'll take them and use them. Mm -hmm. With software, it's just a little bit more sort of ephemeral than that, right? You're making code. Um, there's a million different ways that that code interacts with the other code because you know, your system has hundreds of thousands of lines of code. So mm -hmm. it, there's definitely some complexities uh, to software that, 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 that a manufacturer doesn't need to, to, uh, to deal with. But I'd still say overall, the manufacturing company is definitely a harder kind of business to run. Well, I feel like you're doing them a big service in the manufacturing space now because you're helping uh, machine shops put in business processes that ultimately help them run more effectively. And when you and I were talking before this, you had referenced an article that you recently were featured in for Modern Machine Shop titled, Your Competitors Can Do What You Do, where it talks about the competitive advantage of being tied to documenting and streamlining processes that allow you to be more effectively. Can you go into what it means to having like business process as your competitive differentiator, particularly in the context of today's modern manufacturing market? 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's uh, it's never been easier uh, and more accessible to start a shop these days, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Haas is selling five axis mills for 120 grand, right? It's kind of amazing. So, um, so, so there is, you know, huge competition and, and, uh, you know, every shop has the ability to buy fancy machines and good equipment. And so that in and of itself is not enough of a differentiator, right? So you could have the mm -hmm. same exact CNC machine as your competitor. You, they can make a beautiful website saying that, you know, their service and, and delivery performance is, 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 uh, you know, bar none the best but uh when a customer when you start engaging and having conversations with that customer and they want to know why they should use your shop rather than the shop down the street it's really going to come down to your business processes in my mm -hmm. mind um showing them how you run your business showing them that you have systems in place to ensure that you're going to be on time that your your quality is going to be high that your um you know your review process is not going to you know accidentally you know skip over things that you might you know you might accidentally make the part out of the wrong alloy of material and you have to scrap the whole job and start over again and and uh all these things that um can be significant differentiators for for business so i mean in that article that was actually written about a customer of ours in mm -hmm. Connecticut. They were a, you know, about a 20 person shop and they were dual sourced on a pretty large project with another shop. They did half the work. The other shop did the other half and, uh, and their, their customer got bought out and that new owner decided to pare down the vendor, the vendor base, right? Getting rid of a bunch of suppliers. And so they came and they toured our customer and they toured their competitor and ultimately our customer won the entire job, the entire scope of work and the other shop lost it. And there really wasn't that much difference in their equipment or anything. It, what it really came down to is the processes that they had built and put in place that really just, you know, wowed and impressed that customer, that audit team that came to visit them. And so it can be a big differentiator these days. It really can. Well, in turn, not only is it the business process that allows a place to operate more effectively, but it, it highlights something else you mentioned in our, our past conversations where business process becomes a sales tool at that point as well, where that's the thing where it's like you just said, person down the block has the same machine as you. You know, there are a lot of great machine shops out there, but not all of them have the capability to, um, you know, operate as effectively. I mean, how often do you think that translates into a, a sales advantage? And do you think a lot of these shops take advantage of that aspect? I mean, I certainly know our customers do. They, um, I mean, I'll, uh, I mean, I, well, I first know that I certainly did when we ran our shop, right? If mm -hmm. I could get an audience in front of a customer, either at their facility or at ours, the first thing I would do is I'd open up my laptop and I'd show them ProShop. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'd show them exactly how we run our business, how we quote their work, how we schedule it, how we plan it, how we purchase, how we track their material certs, they do their inspections and all those things. And I definitely have clients that that, you know, as I'm talking to them, um, you know, after they've got, gotten fully implemented, they say, yeah, Paul, if we have a visitor come in, the very first thing we do is we sit them down in our conference room, we pull up the projector and we show them pro shop. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh and, and 
you know, if they see that, if they see how we run our business, it's a guarantee that we're going to do business with them. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's a slam dunk, right? They, they absolutely love it. So from sales to operational effectiveness, I mean, you really are giving machine shops a tool that, you know, a, t a term that comes up here all, you know, fairly frequently on the show is digital transformation. And I think that term is massively overused, but I don't mind throwing it in at the end after we've talked about it in the context of, you know, what it's actually doing for a business and being like, oh yeah, that's an example of digital transformation. Cause I know our audience, you know, we've got salespeople, we've got operators that listen to this. So you're really hitting on a lot of the different things that apply to these folks. You know, when it, when it comes to, you know, essentially having one of these business, one of these systems that allows a machine shop to streamline their business, get rid of paper records, digitize those. Is there something I haven't asked you about this yet that you wish I would have asked you about Pro Shop? Well, how do how do people deal with not having paper in the shop? That's mm. a question we get asked all the time. Yeah. So it's a really important one because a lot of companies are pretty uneasy with that idea for a couple of reasons. Sometimes they just, you know, especially machinists, they just love to hold a, you know, an oily, dirty old print in their hand, you know, and look at it up close. <laughs> there, there is something kind of nice about that. Like there you is. feel like you're working on a machine when you have that old grimy piece of paper there. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, and sometimes it's the quality team that feels like they have to have, you know, a piece of paper with someone's, you know, rubber stamp uh, okay. or their signature actually on the piece of paper saying that they're the ones that did that thing. Right. Um, but, uh, but it is complete, it's totally feasible. You know, our mm -hmm. shop was essentially paperless from about 2002 onward, mm -hmm. um, still to this day, you know, and many of our customers do the same. So it is important to, to invest in a little bit more digital infrastructure in terms of devices out on the shop floor that people can access the latest information with. Um, because we do, and we're a little bit unique in this is we do eliminate paper travelers, paper setup sheets, paper work mm -hmm. order routers. Um, that's all, that's all paperless. And it can actually be incredibly liberating, uh, to not have that paper, you know, once, once you're kind of comfortable with the, the notion of eliminating it. Um, but it's something to keep in mind, uh, for sure. No doubt. And it's, it's funny. It's, it's very, it's similar to the conversation that we have with people in the brewing industry, especially craft breweries that operate on paper and, and when they go through their own digital transformation to get rid of that element of their process, you know, like, like I said, you're only nostalgic for that greasy sheet of paper for so long. Once you realize how much easier a system like yours, uh, makes life, then it's, it's a no brainer at that point. Yeah, machinists are generally pretty darn happy once they get comfortable with what's what's going on and the changes. But uh, but change is hard. Change change can be hard. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, you know, you mentioned something early in your career about a lesson you learned about asking for help. Is there something that you've learned later in your entrepreneurial career that's something that Pro Shop has taught you? Yeah, I would say that, especially in a business like ours, which is not only national, but international, you know, as mm -hmm. opposed to, you know, our shop, you know, largely worked with companies, you know, in a couple hundred mile region, you know, of our shop. Um, reputation is everything. Mm -hmm. And especially in the software world, you know, with software review websites and people can post anything they want anywhere. Um, having an impeccable reputation, treating customers, you know, incredibly well, 
always doing right by them. Even when you make a mistake, you know, make, make it right. Um, that's incredibly important. Um, it's tough to, uh, to overcome, you know, a bad review or an unhappy customer. You know, I've, I read somewhere once that, you know, a happy customer will tell two or three people. Yeah. An unhappy customer will tell a hundred people. Yeah. That's very, very true. And, <laughs> and you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because once you go, because machine shops are very much local businesses in a lot of cases, like they've got their region. So bad news only spread so far, but now you're working with companies. I mean, are you global at this point or? We are. Yeah. We have customers in about five countries, pretty good concentration in Australia, which is super fun. But yeah, people, if someone wants to, you know, badmouth your company, it's going to, it can be out there forever. Yeah. Now, fortunately, we've never really had, uh, you know, anything like that. And, uh, and I think that's one of our, I don't know, we've either been lucky or who knows what, but, um, but uh, those positive reviews have also been, you know, an incredible source of, of, uh, you know, new business company shops that are doing research. They're very skeptical as they should be. And they really want to hear that social proof from other people just like them mm -hmm. of, you know, that, yeah, this, this is a company that, that will stand behind their product and they're good people and they know what they're doing. Um, so, but, uh, yeah, it's crucial. You said it's fun that you have customers in Australia. Does that mean what during normal times you're traveling to Australia? You perked up a little bit there with that answer. <laughs> I just think it's cool to have customers there. I, you know, Australia is just, I don't know. I've never, no, I've never been there. Um, okay. We have about, I think we have, we just passed 10 customers in Australia. Um, so still not a huge number, wow. but, um, but, uh, but no, none of our, even our implementation team has never traveled to Australia yet. We've done oh, no all, way. Of well, our, a... all of our implementations have been virtual and remote. Well, another kudos to you to pull that off. You just had a smile go across your face like, oh, man, that last trip to Australia was something else. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe in the future, my my wife would absolutely love to move to Australia. Maybe we need to open a, a Southern Hemisphere office. Sure, sure. Well, my sister lives in Melbourne, so she might be oh, able nice. to give you some, some tips if you ever pull the trigger on that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, I, I had to, I just had to ask that question. It's awesome that you guys have ex you know have grown the way you have that you have the coverage the way you do so far. You know, before we wrap up, I do have to ask: You're a Formula SAE guy. Are you still a car guy in your spare time? I absolutely love cars. Yep. Yeah, I uh, don't right. have as much time to spend on them as I used to, and I will again someday. But uh, but I have a, uh, my, I actually I, I I own I personally own one of the formula cars that we built. I bought oh, it no at way. university. I've autocrossed it on weekends. Uh, it's an absolute blast. It's way faster than my '74 Fiat Spider, but it's not road legal, so I can't take it out on a sunny weekend road trip. Sure. Well, that that makes sense. It's it's funny you mentioned about asking for help. My uh my recent business coach, he's a big car guy. He's restoring a Porsche 911 right oh, now. Fantastic. Um, so he's having fun with that. Do you have another fun car project on the horizon, or what's another one you want to check off your list at some point? Well, I actually want to build my own car again someday. Mm. Yeah, we have a my partners and I kind of have a design based around some of the design concepts we did on one of our Formula SA cars. And uh, we want to start a, uh, a very small little niche car company and make a few of those. So maybe we'll do that someday. 
Well, you're certainly tinkering across the board. You've dabbled in machine shops. You're helping them with software now. Still a car guy, a jack of all trades. Paul, it's been great having you on the show. What's the best way to connect with you guys? I'd say I probably hang out more on LinkedIn for the social networks. So yeah, uh, just my name, Paul Van Meter, V-A-N-M-E-T-R-E. And uh, I'd love to connect with anyone there. Love it. Well, I will have a link to Paul's profile in the show notes. You can also find out about ProShop at ProShopERP.com. And with that, Paul, I got to raise a glass to you. And thank you again for being on today's show. Yeah, thanks, Chris. It's been great. Cheers. And to all of you listening, we'll see you again next time. Hey, thanks for listening. And a big thanks to Paul for jumping on today's show. A lot of fun great topic. Loved talking about business process through the lens of the machine shop world. Hopefully we'll get a chance to catch up with Paul again in the future, preferably over drinks at Wander Brewing in Bellingham, Washington. Speaking of that brewery, to access any of the resources mentioned in today's episode, including Wander Brewing, you can go to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 33 to access the show notes for this episode. Before we wrap up, a couple more things I do want to say. First, if you liked this episode, if you like the show in general and you haven't yet, it really helps if you can leave a five-star rating and review over at Apple Podcasts. You can get there by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes. It'll take you straight to the platform on your iPhone or on your desktop, whichever you're using. The reviews can be quick, as short as a couple sentences. The rating, just a five-star button, that one's simple. But again, really helps us out, puts the show on the map, as well as gives us valuable feedback. In addition, I want to thank our sponsor for the show, Steamchain.io, one last time. Hopefully you know by now that Steamchain is the machine-as-a-service company that allows equipment manufacturers to sell equipment based on its performance and output rather than, you know, a typical capital expense as uh, as the way those transactions typically would go. This is industry 4.0 in action. You're literally capitalizing on the machine performance data and turning that into actual revenue. It's great for equipment manufacturers. It's great for the makers, the end users that are using this equipment as well. Make sure to check them out at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash steamchain. You can listen to an interview we did with their CEO there or just head to steamchain.io. And with that, that is today's show. We'll see you again next week. But in the meantime, stay innovative, stay thirsty. We'll talk to you again real soon. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.